0: This is the Ebb and Flow podcast with Ide Bailey, where you'll find inspired insights on forward movements in the middle market. Now, let's get to the show.
1: Hello, and welcome to Ebb and Flow. I'm your host, Clinton Larson, and today's topic is going to be about wealth transition concerns when you're exiting your business. And joining me to talk about that topic is Ava Archibald, principal in charge of wealth transition services at Ide Bailey. Welcome to the podcast, Ava. Thank you, Clinton. So our last episode, we talked a lot about some of the key considerations when people are selling or transitioning their business. And today we're going to take a deeper dive into one of those areas that you definitely don't want to overlook. And that's how you handle the financial concerns in that sale. I'm curious, how often do people have an idea of that side of the sale, Ava, once the, you know they have the cash in hand, so to speak?
2: I don't think that people often look at that holistic um approach that they should probably consider when they're selling their business. You know, oftentimes when someone's selling their business, they're thinking about what is going to be that that cash sale amount. But really you have to think about what's the net tax effect. What's going to be the cash in my pocket at the end of the day after I pay the tax? You know, if if I'm if selling a, a corporation, let's say it could make a big difference if I'm doing an asset sale or a stock sale. And you might want to run those calculations to really know what that end tax, net tax amount will be, that net cash amount in my pocket, because that's what's going to affect your family. And that's what's going to affect you for your cash flow going forward. Ideally, if someone's going to look at either transitioning down to the next, say, generation, for family businesses, or maybe doing a third-party transaction, if we could visit with that client one or two years prior to the sale, that's ideal. That gives us some time to look at, you know, what is their family goal? Do they have family members that are stepping in to the family operations? Are they really looking at doing an outside sale? And if you're doing an outside sale, are there things we could do Prior to that sale to put them in a better position from an estate tax perspective, because once we've sold the business and we have cash in our pocket, that's what we have. But if we could do some of that transitioning ahead of time, we can really save families some money.
1: Great, and uh, so let's talk maybe about like that ideal situation, right? If you say you know a person has a year or two ahead of time, they know they're transitioning the business, and they they have a little bit of runway ahead of them. What what are some of the things that you go through with with clients and people who are in that stage to to get them ready to to do what you're just you're saying to make sure that you know when the sale is over they are they are set up to reach the goals that they have for themselves and their family.
2: Well, the first thing we do is sometimes people are so focused on on the business, and a lot of our closely held business owners, that's where they've put all their wealth into that business. But we want to look at the whole picture. What are all your assets? Because if you were taking a salary from that business, or you had distributions from the company coming out every year, and now we sell the business, we want to make sure that you still have a cash flow after the business transitions or is sold. And is that cash flow going to carry you through to your future years? We also look at what is your overall net worth? And, you know, my world is looking at transition tax. So that's that gift and estate tax. And if you are over the estate tax threshold, which today is $12 million per person, just over $12 million, but in 2026, that amount is slated to change to about 6 to $6.5 based on the current law. Under the current law, there's a sunset provision that the estate tax exemption is going to drop to be a significantly lower amount in 2026. So, husband and wife could have about $13 million together. Anything over that that you gift or die with is taxed at 40%. That's a large tax rate, it ends up to be a big tax bill to pay. Mm-hmm. So if you're selling a business, let's think about, is there a way we could maybe transition some of these business interests, especially if you're going to sell it for a highly appreciated value, transfer it down to your family members now at a lower value? If we're transferring something that's less than a controlling interest, there's opportunities to transfer it with discounts, lack of marketability, lack of control discounts, which really many times can reduce that business value for gift and estate tax purposes to by 30, 35%. Where if I've sold it at 100%, I have a 100% value in my pocket that is going to be subject to estate tax when I die or I gift it to my kids. But if I transferred it now, maybe ahead of time, we can do that at a compressed value. That way, when you sell it for this appreciated value down the road, that appreciation is out of your estate, estate tax-free. At 40% tax rate, that's a big savings. But with that, we always have to think about, you know, we can write the best tax plan to save your end-of-life taxes, your estate and gift tax. But if you don't walk out the door after we do that planning, feeling like you can continue your custom manner of living, you still have your same cash flow, we didn't do any successful planning for you. So that's where we're We're taking a look at if you're going to get out of the business, what's the cash flow or the salary you're taking now? How are you going to make up for that cash flow later? And what is your total net worth and what's your estate tax going to be down the road for your family? Is there a way we can shift that value now to your kids? Still keeping the cash flow for you. It's a lot of moving parts, but if it's done right, we can save the family as a whole a significant amount of dollars in taxes.
1: Yeah, that does sound like a lot of moving parts. I mean, I was thinking about all the stuff you were just talking about, or in terms of, you know, how you want to transition your business, what kind of effect you want that to have on your current situation, but also your situation, you know, 20, maybe 30 years from now. And then considering also, you know, what kind of estate you're going to leave your family, you know, in, in, in that time as well. So, I mean, it does sound like there's a lot of complexity here. So let's start with some of the those details you were just mentioning. You know, in terms of uh, if you want to try to transition some of your wealth now ahead of a sale, what are some tips you'd have for people to, to start to lay the groundwork for that?
2: Well, first, we're going to look at the operating um, agreements for the business and make sure that we can obtain the most discounts for gift and estate tax purposes, because what establishes those discounts for gift and estate tax purposes is really the restrictions or or what is within your, let's say your, your operating agreements of the business. So we take a look at that. And if that is structured appropriately, then there's techniques we can use where we can sell the business interests, let's say to a trust and take back a promissory note. And if the trust is structured in appropriate manner, we can avoid any transition taxes in that regard from an income tax perspective. There would be no capital gains on that transaction because the trust is going to be written where I'm still the responsible party for income tax purposes. It can be a significant way to save taxes on transitioning assets to the next generation. Because if I sold, say, my stock to a trust at a discounted value for gift and estate tax purposes, and then down the road sometime, my trust sells that stock at an appreciated value. All that appreciation's out of my estate estate tax-free because I sold it earlier on at this discounted value. That's why we want some time in between. Two years is great. A year is good. Six months is still doable. Once you have a letter of intent, on a sale or a purchase agreement, now it gets tough to do that type of planning.
0: That's,
1: that's great advice. And I was thinking too about, you know, in terms of the cash flow stuff you were talking about as well, how much do people have an idea of that when, you know, cause I imagine a lot of business owners are, they're in their business, you know, that's the life they're, they're, they're just, they're focused on, you know, when it comes to that idea of the next step and when you're not, you're, you're no longer running your business and you you need to make sure you have the cash flow that you uh, need to have to live the life that you want to live. How many people have an idea of what that is? Or how many people are surprised by what they might need or what they might need to do to, to achieve that?
2: You know, we all think about it. We all think about what what we spend on a you know annual basis on our custom manner of living. And everyone has a different manner of living. But if you talk to a married couple, even husband and wife many times, have a different expectation of what do they need going forward to live on. What works best, I think, with our clients is we have a Wealth One product through iBailey Financial Services that I will partner up with when I'm doing this transition planning so that they can see it in. Up on the screen of here's my value today and my cash flow. If this is what we say we spend on an annual basis, and we want to project that out ten years down the road, our I Bailey Financial Services has a program that they can. Illustrate that for our clients so they can see it in real time. What does this look like on a certain return 10 years down the road? What does it look like 20 years down the road? You know, maybe I think I need five million and that's going to take me out through retirement. But once you start thinking about what I want to do in my next 20 years, maybe that isn't enough. Or maybe. I I don't spend much, and maybe that five million is going to turn out to be twenty five million down the road by the time I pass. It's great to see it and to to visualize it on a program such as our Wealth One program. Um, I worked with a client once, and and he was selling his business, and he had a set in his mind that all he needed was seven million. Everything else he gave to trust for his children, and we talked about it multiple times. I wanted him to, you know, look at our illustration just to, so he could visualize it and he'd be comfortable. But he was set in his mind until the day before the sale. Now he did the gift to the Children's Trust. He was going to have net after tax, $7 million in his pocket. And he got really nervous that this is not enough money. Why did I only keep $7 million? <laughs> <laughs> You know, seeing it up on the screen and looking on that growth of the $7 million, he would have been much more comfortable seeing that. But it's it's hard to conceptualize. So sure. putting the numbers to a page or to an illustration, whether a flow chart or, you know, I don't know, uh, like our Wealth One product, it just lets people see it instead of just conceptualizing it.
1: That's that's a, an interesting point there, because I feel like a lot of people, like you said, would have... Maybe they have an idea of what their retirement is going to look like. Maybe they have some goals in mind. But once it's actually real, I feel like it's probably a whole different feeling <laughs> for people. So I'm curious. Like when you're talking to people in this in this transition phase, you know, they're about to move. They're about to move in the direction of a pretty, you know, life changing event. So how do, you, how do you talk to people about those goals that they have for retirement? How do you work through that with people? Because, you know, I imagine, like you said, some people probably have a very clear idea in their head and maybe that changes in a day or maybe some people just have no idea and they're just like, I, I don't know what I'm going to need. So how do you work through that with people when you're trying to determine, you know, something so specific as a number and then related to something so, you know, complex and idiosyncratic as, as your retirement goals?
2: I try back away the numbers in the initial conversation. I first wanna hear what their goals are for themselves as a, as usually a married couple. What, what are you looking for down the road? Ideally, what do you wanna have happen for your family going forward, especially if we took tax off the table? Once I hear a little bit more about them and their family, their family dynamics, Then we can back into the amounts they need and the amounts that make them comfortable and let them achieve what it is that they want for their family going forward. Some people may have a set dollar amount that this is all I want my children to have, the rest is going to charity, or this is the amount I want to make sure that gives me comfort. You know, might be very different to the couple next door, but everybody has their own comfort level of what they. Believe they want. So once I know that and what they want for the family, then we can work it out and get into the details and really work into. Okay, so what does that look like? And now, what is it really that you you do need annually? And and what do we need twenty years down the road? Are you looking at buying that second home? I notice sometimes husband and wife, once we start having these discussions, there's a big difference of what the wife may want for the family versus what the husband wants for the family. It's great to start talking about those things cuz it's hard to have that discussion sometimes. But once we can get their goals in line, we can back in to their cash flow and how the tax will play out and and help them achieve what that goal is.
1: That makes sense. And and as you're talking too, I I'm thinking too as well that like this obviously isn't a static plan, right? You know, like if you have a plan for your retirement, you know, year one, year two, by the time you get to year three, maybe you might have a whole different idea of what you want to accomplish or do. I'm curious, how do you work through the the changes that are probably inevitable in any sort of wealth plan that someone might have?
2: Well, I, I let people know once we have a plan in place, that isn't the end of the line. I mean, if there's a change in legislation, we most definitely want to be reaching out to our clients. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mentioned earlier, the estate tax exemption is the largest it's ever been. That I recall it 12 million, just over 12 million per person, but it's going to drop in 2026 to about six, six and a half million per person. Mm-hmm. That's That's a really big change. That's going to change someone's maybe game plan. So, Maybe we have them set today at a very comfortable place from an estate tax perspective, but come 2024, 2025, we may need to revisit with them. If this law looks like it's going to stay in place, there's a lot of people who might be doing or changing their estate plans to account for that. When we're drafting plans today or working with clients on drafting a plan and and doing that kind of tax projection we're already looking at what does your tax look like today if you pass or gift, or what does it look like in 2026 if this does drop? The other thing to think about is personal lives change. you know maybe one of their children will have some difficult health event or something, or one spouse may pass. That changes things and, and we want to revisit with those clients when those things happen the, Benefit we have in doing estate planning in an accounting firm is we connect with our clients once a year when we're doing their tax returns. That's an ideal time for us to have those conversations and find out if there is that life changing event where maybe we need to change the plan up a little bit.
1: That's a good perspective, because I was just thinking that this is also something where, where and there's certain aspects of a sale that you're going to deal with somebody. And then uh, once the sale is through, you know, then, uh, you know, it's it's a handshake and a goodbye. But I'm guessing with a lot of the clients you work with, you're probably working with them for quite a few years, correct?
2: Many times, because after they have that sale, life has changed and their financial situation has changed. Sometimes it's education Uh, if it's an estate plan that we put in place, like the one I described where we may do a sale to a trust, there's a lot of things we want to make sure that happen correctly because you can draft the best plan, but if it's not followed through with, you don't implement the plan down the road and take the right steps after the fact, all that planning you did on the front end could be for nothing. And maybe all that estate planning I did is gonna come back. You have to make sure you take the right steps. So I always say the key to a successful estate plan is the implementation, making sure people follow through. If you're creating a trust, operate that trust in the right manner. No different than if you create a business, we have to operate the business under the business operating agreements. You have to do the same thing if you're doing any planning with the trust or, or making any gifting, make sure you really made the gift. Implementation is key and that's communication with our clients after the plan is set in place.
1: So for people who are looking for an advisor for this, uh, this type of Event in their life, you know, you what you're just talking through. Obviously, you want to if you're going to be working with someone for potentially years. If you're going to be revisiting the plan and creating new goals and and new ways to reach those goals, what should people look for in an advisor um, when it comes to this kind of uh, this wealth transition uh, topic that we're discussing?
2: Well, I think you want a firm that is going to have succession. So, in a firm such as I Bailey. You know, I may be retired sometime down the road, but there's a whole team behind me that can pick that up and work with not only the business owners, but their family, their children going forward. Because once you know all that history, we just can do such a much, we can do a much better long-term plan for a family when we know there's going to be people behind us carrying on with their successors as well. The other thing to think about is you want to look at someone who can look at that holistic picture. And that's, I think, the benefit of working with iBailey in that we have, you know, not only if you're working with me and I'm thinking about transition taxes, I can bring in our Ige Bailey Financial Services who can look at that cash flow. Maybe we're bringing in the business valuation team to see what kind of discounts we can have and in, in some of this gifting um, as you set up these trusts and you have multiple accounts, maybe you're looking at our boss services and on helping you do some of that work in the future. It's nice to have the resources to bring it all together for our high net worth clients
1: so ideally, if you have given yourself enough time to to think about the questions we've been talking about to create that plan for the sale of your business and also for a, you know an effective wealth transition plan, hopefully you've been very successful in the you know, in, in the financial side of that. And I'm curious when it comes down to sort of that, that sort of that final question that a lot of people I think have a hard time asking, but you know, when it comes to transitioning that wealth into the next generation, you know, what, what legacy do you kind of, you know, pass down? What are some of the things that people should be thinking about when it comes to that, that sort of final phase of this plan?
2: I think you need to think about what, what do I want for my family. And, and that is different for every family. Um, you know, some families, it, you know, it's, a, it's amazing. It's a, it's a number of people that I work with. When they are successful and they've built this wealth, they want to leave it for their family. But one of their main concerns is they don't want their family to lose their incentive to be successful themselves. So part of that is how do we structure this? To give our clients the comfort to, again, transition this wealth in a tax efficient manner, but keeping whatever key goals they want for their family members. And we can do that through so many different ways, um, through different various you know entities or trusts or structuring a trust in the appropriate manner. And if you can understand the mechanics of the trust, it can be a means of, not saying you keep control, but, you know, if I've created the trust in my lifetime, I've kind of guided what I want to have happen for these assets to my children. You, it, And sometimes it's giving some assets outright to my family. Some of it's protected in a trust. Um, some of it is even in between the husband and wife. If I have a younger couple, we might want to be sure that upon that second marriage, because if one spouse dies early in life, you have to expect the other spouse is going to remarry. How do you protect this wealth we have today for our current children? A lot of that planning is, is thinking about that and thinking about the future. There is no perfect family. There's no perfect plan. It's moving parts, and making it work for each individual family.
1: Wow, that's really good perspective on how much work goes into a plan like this. And going back to the beginning, when you're talking about having that one to two year sort of timeframe to get started, it sounds like that's really important based on all the complexities involved.
2: It is. The, the one thing I want to uh, stress for our clients is this is a big step when you're looking at transitioning your business. Give yourself enough time so that you can be sure to put that plan in place that accounts for all your family dynamics and gives you that comfort that that you've addressed everything you need to for your family
1: this has been a really awesome conversation Ava and hopefully we've given people a lot of information to think about because clearly this is a a very important issue for any business owner to consider so thank you very much for being on the podcast I really appreciate
2: it you're welcome take care
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the ebb and flow podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So you never miss an episode at I'd Bailey, What inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting advisory and technology services with your business in mind. Visit our website to access tools and resources tailored for you. iBailey.com slash This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Bailey LLP is not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. For audience questions and topic ideas, visit iBailey.com slash ebflow. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash E-B-F-L-O-W. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to tune in next time.